Are you guys ready up there? Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella, Women in Film and Television board member and producer at Tile Media and Jumper Productions. The right insurance is key to safeguarding your film. In this WFT Ireland's talk, I chat with the wonderful people at MIB Insurance, Madison Eastwood, John O'Sullivan and Lorcan Murphy on the A to Z of insuring your film. These experts and I discuss the nuances of media insurance, offering crucial insights on coverage essentials and risk mitigation and help on understanding the complex paperwork involved. Hi everyone and welcome to the Women in Television Ireland's webinar, the A to Z of insuring your film. Uh, I'm very excited today to be speaking to John O'Sullivan, Lorcan Murphy and Madison Eastwood from uh, MIB Insurance. So we'll be talking about the nuances of insurance. As the title suggests, we'll be looking at the ins and outs of all things film insurance related. So before we start, I'd like to thank Screen Ireland uh, Stakeholder Funding for funding this event. And also a massive thank you to our sponsors, MIB Insurance, for taking part in this event. I'm sure these are, like I just said to Lorcan there, they're kind of very familiar voices to me anyway, and anyone who is produces or has anything to do with insurance policies for film in Ireland. And it's lovely to be able to put a face to the voice. So you're all very welcome here. And I think maybe before we start, I might just get you all uh, just to say a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about MIB Insurance. So maybe we'll start with John. Okay. Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm John O'Sullivan from Media Insurance Brokers. We are specialist TV and film uh, brokers. That's all we deal in, TV and film. Been doing this since about 1995, um, so longer than I care to think. Um we deal with um, broadcasters, television, RTE, Channel 4, Channel 5, uh, Netflix, and Sky. Uh, we place the production insurance, insurances, uh, errors and emissions, motor covers, travel cover, whatever's needed. Um, and I'm part of the team here in Dublin with Madison and Larkin. Larkin, can you say a bit about yourself as well? Yes, I... Uh... Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Lorcan Murphy. Um, I've been working with MIB Insurance since uh, January 2017, so six years in the company. Um, so I'm a lot fresher and a lot more youthful than uh, my colleague, John O'Sullivan, who's been here uh, more than a lifetime. So please send your condolences to John. I've been working in insurance for, I suppose, nearly 15 years now. Prior to that, my, my background was in kind of a bit of entertainment. I was uh, one of the original cast members of Riverdance back in 1994 and toured with them for six years. And then I was working in various different uh, positions uh, after that, be from retail to fundraising, uh, charity events and things like that before settling into uh, the world of insurance. Um, I have uh, three children and, uh, well, all hooligans, um, <laughs> but... Uh, trying to raise them not to be like their father, so make them better people. Uh, so that is uh, Lorcan Murphy. Thank you. Thanks, Lorcan. And Madison? Hi, uh, I'm Madison. Funny enough, I was actually born in 1995, the same year as MIB. Uh, 
So <laughs> a lifetime of insurance. You know, <laughs> um, I've been working for MIB for about three years now. Um, and you know, I would do uh, the the film and TV, the production insurance, and some of the E and O as well. And I've been insurance generally for about seven years. I'm just back on mater- off maternity leave. Um, my daughter just turned one, so I'm excited to get back into it. And this is a nice little refresher course for me as well. <laughs> all about insurance congratulations <laughs> that's lovely thank you, thank you. <laughs> welcome back to work <laughs> that's brilliant so I guess maybe we'll just talk a bit about the process of insuring a film and the types of insurance we need to have in place so John would you be able to give a quick overview just sure sure yeah I mean there there are a couple of main reasons why you would or want to take out production insurance, kind of a necessary evil. Financiers, if it's a feature film, financiers, you know, will want you to cover the budget of your of your film. If it's a television uh, production, the broadcaster may want you or will want you to insure your budget for your television production. Or another reason was you might just want to insure the production yourself. They're the main reasons, you know, financiers, broadcasters, or yourself to cover either the budget, your equipment, your persons working on your production or, you know, a fear of damaging, um, you know, the public property or third party persons if you're shooting a production. Normally, you would take this out from your very first day, you know, you're employing someone or you're employing persons to work on your production because you want to have uh, liability cover in place for your employees if anything happens to them, um, that they're covered, um, to cover your equipment and to cover, you know, as we were saying, time element, which would be, which, which would be your budget. So, yeah, so the, the point you would take your insurances out are from your very first day of soft prep or for prep uh, on, on, a, on a production. The main insurance you would look to take out would be production insurance. Um, there are different sections under a production, production insurance policy. Uh, and you would, yeah, you would take that out, you would take that out from the get go to cover your budget um, and to cover, you know, persons and, and property on, on, on a production. Sometimes, again, um, a broadcaster or financier may, may say, you know, we want you to recover in place from uh, from now. That m- might determine when you need uh, your cover to be put in place also. Um, and normally th- that process is started by either a telephone call or an email between, you know, the producer and ourselves or the line producer or the production manager um, or the production coordinator or wh- whomever is t- taking, uh, taking over control to put the production insurances in place. Okay. I have an example. I have your the MIB insurance form, which I was going to maybe share. We could go down yeah. through that really quickly. Uh, okay. Sorry, I also forgot if anyone has any specific questions, please put them into the chat and, and we'll ask them as well. But before I uh, show the form, I was just wondering, as a rule of thumb, how much would we allow in our budget for for insurance? So yeah, I mean, it. it uh, yeah, it, I mean, it depends, Fiona. I mean, to, just for for example, uh, if it's an RTE commission, the rate's point six percent, so you would put in point six percent of the budget. If it was TG Car, you would put in point six five. If it was Sky, you would put in point six zero eight for a television production. So it depends on who the the, the financier is. If there is because. You know, RTE, um, Sky, and that they will they will have their own production scheme in place, so they will get reduced uh, rates for, for the production insurance. You know, if you were doing a job and it you know it wasn't in under a scheme, then 
you may have to put in at least 750 euro, depending on what the budget is, as a minimum premium, because you don't then have the benefit of a scheme, you know, going in under RTE or um, Sky or whomever. Yeah, it's just on a kind of for Screen Ireland for the focus shorts. I think the total budget is sixty thousand, and then if it's five percent, you're allowed to use for insurance, which is I think actually comes in less than what the I guess that's uh, than what the minimum premium is. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. 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 again, can I just come in on that because um, yeah. I've seen a few few of them come in and. With the Screen Ireland focus, because they're not necessarily for a particular broadcaster, they could be for a variety of broadcasters or kind of uh, uh, shown online or or for or for whomever, and that may not be specified. So what we're kind of able to do is to kind of agree a kind of a rate. Um, I, I think it comes out at about four hundred twenty euro plus levy with our insurers anyway, and mm. it's one of those that's kind of open to the market to quote on. So it, it is a competitive area to quote. Um, but it is something that we look to quote below the minimum premium on simply because there's quite a number of the focus shorts that are available on the market and insurance will be quite comfortable in kind of writing at that level of premium, given the nature of what they're about as well. Okay. And obviously, I, I, I will open the form in a minute, but it just obviously, would that vary depending on what the script requires so if there's kind of more stunts or anything like that in or would you make a a bigger allowance on that premium no i mean it could be it could be based primarily it's it's based on the on the budget yeah if if you've got stunts um you know that will hopefully come out from from the get-go if you want to you know on the application form which says you know are you doing anything hazardous but mm-hmm. no, it, it may not put up the price, but it, I mean, yeah, there's more of a, a risk process to put in place via risk assessments to say these are the stunts we're, we, we are doing. Um, um, and we have got, we've then got to refer them to insurers. But unless we've got to take out additional personal accident cover, you know, for, for individuals, uh, if it's particularly hazardous or if the stunt persons don't have their own cover, you know, the budget should, should still be the same because okay. we're telling insurers from the get go, you know, what's involved in the production. Okay. And I guess that's why it's important when you're in production that we, we send you the call sheets every day and we highlight if there's anything going on so that you can flag it with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean especially Yeah, yeah. Um and, and the main the main item, yeah, like I was saying just there, is a is a risk assessment if you're doing a stunt, you know, which is just a method statement in this is what we we we're doing or we're trying to do, and these are the safety precautions we're putting in place for that activity. Okay, great. I'm just going to share the form with you now and maybe we can just go down through that. Um, so, uh, okay, I guess the first bit is kind of evident. This is all, I suppose, details. Storyline synopsis, is that, that's just your standard kind of like a tagline or something like that, is it? The purpose- it just has to be one liner, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. About, what, you know, whether it's saying, you know, it's a documentary about whomever or it's... Um, it's a drama and this is what it's, you know, the story is about. Okay. And then the insurable direct costs, is that excluding production fee or? Yeah, yeah you can take out the production fee um, and or the contingency if you have a contingency these days, which a lot of productions don't tend to have. Um, yeah, you can take out the production fee because you'll, you'll always get paid production fee. I mean, you can insure the production fee for, uh, for abandonment at a, at a lower rate. Um, but normally, yeah, it's your full budget excluding the production fee and or contingent, contingency. Okay. 
And then this dates for pre-production principal photography and then the location. So that's all kind of evident. So yeah. just on the location, say if you're a, if you're completing this form and in, you're in pre-pre-production and you haven't really found the locations yet, what would you put in there or... I mean, the, the, the locations don't have to be that involved. I mean, some people just put down, you know, the countries they're shooting in. You know, they might just say, they're, you know, they're shooting here in Ireland and that's it. Um, or they might put down, you know, Dublin, Wicklow, Surrounds. So you don't have to name every location. It's just, you know, to give um, insurers an idea of where you're filming. I mean, you could put down, you know, if it was, say, if shooting in Ireland and Germany, you can just put that down and approximately the number of days in each. You don't have to, you know, log each and every location that you're going to shoot at, Fiona. Okay. It's, it's, it's not that involved. Okay. And then uh, details of production, security for the production office and equipment and props. That's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's more for drama, you know, especially if you've got, you know, uh, a remote production office or you're shooting remotely, what security is on trucks, you know, for equipment and props, especially if you're leaving them on, on trucks, what, what the security is, because, you know, we see a, a lot or insurers see a lot of thefts, especially from, from vehicles. But just what, what security is on, you know, your production office, if it's a remote production office and or trucks, if you're on location. And actually... I think, and I'm probably, so that, that is one thing that does come up for any of the producers there as well. And it's certainly come up for me is, you know, when you're doing a short at the end of the day, where does the camera equipment go if you're yeah. on location as well? So I guess what would be a minimum that they would be looking for there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the minimum secu security they would look for. I mean, you know, if you don't have security is that, the vehicle is parked outside wherever the person is staying. Um, if the equipment's got to be left in the vehicle and it can't be taken into the hotel, you know, the B&B &B or wherever you're staying, if it's left in the vehicle, that you at least have the vehicle, it has an alarm and an immobiliser, um, and that the cab is separate from the back of the truck or the van so that someone can't break a window in the cab and just reach over the back seat, um, which, you know, um, used to be in the, in the old days, you know, most cabs seem to be separate now, but that's a kind of a minimum security requirement if you've got to leave equipment in a vehicle overnight. Okay. Not that anyone really should be doing that. I was just asking, just... Trust me, um, Fiona, you'd be surprised the amount of people that still do it, you know, but yeah, we've had people, you know, park a vehicle up for the weekend, nowhere near their um, house and, you know, they turn up on a Monday morning and the truck or the van isn't there. Oh my God. Yeah, I just know like it's 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 come up for me and then, you know, I'll have a sleepless, <laughs> you know, you're trying to figure it out. And, and yeah, but, but that's the thing. That's yeah, that's that's when it tends to or when it does happen, when, um, you know, you can always pick up the phone or email your, your broker and just tell them, you know, if you can't comply, you know, with the minimum security requirements, you know, if you tell them, you know, we got to leave. 10 or 20,000 euros worth of kit. We'll take out the main bits. Um, this is where it'll be parked. You know, if you always speak to your broker, they can get you some sort of terms because if you don't do it and, you know, you park up the vehicle and you're hoping for the best, you know, if a claim happens, then it's not covered. But at least if you're, you know, communicating with your broker, he or she can get some sort of terms for you, even if it's a higher excess or deductible because you've got to leave kit, but at least you've got some covered end. So it's always best to communicate if you can't comply um, with your broker and they should be able to help you. 
I think that's probably true for everything that we're about to go through here as well, that if it, rather than ignoring something, bring it up and deal totally, with it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Communication is paramount. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then uh, stunts are hazardous activities. So outside of stunts, can you just, what would you deem other hazardous activities? Is it like VFX or special effects? Or... I mean, yeah, it, it can be depending on what's involved. You know, if it's, if it's hazardous to the cast and crew, you know, anything that they're doing outside the norm, which, 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 which could cause them harm. But yeah, again, you know, if you're unsure about something, you can speak to your broker about it. On all production policies, you know, across the board um, and across the world, um, hazardous activities are excluded or stunts are excluded. And we get that deleted or removed by the insurer by means of a risk a risk assessment. Like we were saying earlier, it's a method statement. And the more details you can give, the better, because we want to give insurers comfort that they're OK covering, you know, a stunt or hazardous activity if cast or crew are injured. And I'd say in all of those instances as well, you would accept expect that the supplier would have their own insurance in place and if they don't you shouldn't be working with them well yeah i mean not that that's yeah that's it that's that's a good point fiona not all stunt people have got their own liability insurance um Mm -hmm. and that's come up you know even more and more i mean i mean especially in the last couple of years i mean on some productions and I'm sure insurers don't like it. Yeah. And, you know, in an ideal world, the stunt persons will have their own liability cover if anything goes wrong, but they don't. They either can't buy the cover, um, they find it very hard to buy the cover, um, and they don't have it. And we sometimes we can ex- extend the liability on a production policy for the stunt person, or sometimes we've put personal accident cover in place for the stunt persons on a production which is again is getting details of stunts they're doing and putting cover in place but in an ideal world yeah but um they don't do in other countries yeah they they may have liability cover if they're part of a union they might get some sort of liability cover but there's a lot of stunt people here in ireland that don't have their own liability cover okay in which case you you should find out you need to make sure it's covered somehow whether it's through your guys exactly exactly somewhere across the board exactly yeah yeah and then and then if you're filming near water it's i guess using boats and things i guess you should have safety boats and people with you who who know what they're doing i mean yeah um well depending i mean it's not paramount that you have safety boats but yeah that but but you you know you are being diligent um and you do have you know you do have a process in place um where you know you're, you're doing your very best to take care of everybody. I mean, filming near water, yeah, um, you know, life vests for the people involved. If you're filming on boats, that the boat or the vessel has got passenger liability, like a plane or a car would, you know, if, um, if the skipper or the owner of the boat is negligent and your equipment, um, ensuring your equipment has got, you know, uh, underwater housing if you're filming underwater or if you're filming on water on boats, just splash back on your equipment, protect the equipment. Because again, just to show insurers you're being diligent if there is any damage. Because again, sometimes you'll get people who will just jump on a boat and they'll have you know, no protection on their equipment. And then they'll turn around and say, well, you know, it's got salt water damage to it. And insurers will say, well, how do they protect the equipment? But yeah, just being diligent, you know, um, uh, and protecting your equipment where you can. Then the next section here is drones and octo- octocopters. So... <laughs> Is there? St- I kind of think there's a bit of a grey area sometimes with drones. Is there just about like when the say if you're using 
like on a small production where the DOP has their own drone and it's below a minimum height, do, yeah. you, do they then is that covered under our insurance or? Not not automatically. I mean, again, on production policies, there is no automatic um, drone cover. Okay. Um, yeah. So firstly, most drone operators now, you know, all the drone companies out there, uh, like Colum Hogan, that they have got their own drone liability. I mean, 99% of drone operators now will have their own liability cover. They will have physical damage cover for the drone itself and their own kit attached, and some will have third-party kit um, covered as well uh, on the drone. So most drone operators will. But like you're saying, yeah, if you've got a DOP um, and he or she's got their own drone, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, one of the light ones below minimum height. Um, if there is no cover, we can ask insurers to extend the cover for the liability. Insurers will want to know, you know, where you're filming. Is it over, you know, a populated area or is it a remote area? Um, and if we have to cover the drone, how much the value of the drone is or if there's any kit attached. Um, but, yeah, that, uh, it, that rarely comes up these days. Um, but most of the time, uh, yeah, on drone operators, they all have their own cover now. But, yeah, if all you again, you just need, Tell your um, broker that you need to extend the cover because you've got drone use because the DOP's got his or own. Um, and insurers will extend it. I mean, they'll probably charge maybe 100 to 250 euro to do it, but they will do it. But, I mean, you can buy drone policies for the year now for about 250 or 300 euro. So okay. um, if uh, there's, there's um, Moonrock and Cover Drone are two specialist drone um, insurers. So you can just go on, onto their website. Um, and buy a policy for the year and it'll cost you the same as it would just to extend your production policy. Brilliant. Um, and then Russian arms. <laughs> yeah, that's. I just saw that. That's a bit... <laughs> it's <pretty> expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the only reason they put them on there, exactly, exactly that, I mean, they're expensive um, yes. Russian arms and it is, yeah, I think it's probably more applicable to, you know, the you know, the big budget dramas and feature films. Um, yeah. But if you've got a Russian arm um, and you need to insure it, um, it, again, it depends on the provider. Some will have their own cover or some will turn around and say, yeah, you need to cover it. It's worth about 150,000 euro or something ridiculous. But yeah, that, that one doesn't come up too much on everyday TV. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it once or twice in commercials, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. If they've got deep pockets, yeah, years you, ago, you, years you, ago, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, then cast insurance. So can you talk through that a little bit there? Yeah, I mean, right, yeah. This is one of the main sections on the production policy, and you're covering up to the budget on your production, whether your budget is ten grand or a hundred grand or a million, um, and it's it's a time element section. So. It's a bit of a misnomer. Cast cover covers anyone that's essential on a production that if they were to fall ill or have an accident would delay the production or have a financial implication on the production. But it's it's a misnomer in that it's not only cast, it's your crew as well. You know, it can be your director or DOP. Um, if, he or, if he or she were to fall ill or have an accident and would delay the production, that, you know, you're covered for that time delay uh, on, on, on your production. Um, and again, a, a common misconception is that it's covering the in individual. It's not covering the individual, it's covering your budget. So he or she completes a statement of health form or a medical, depending on the budget of the production. And then you're covering, you know, up, up to your budget for any delay um, if he or she is ill or has an accident. Okay. And then I guess the individual will be covered under personal 
accident. But the, the, the individual will be covered under employer's liability. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And uh, then, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly on, on cast cover, there is really no limit on television on television productions. Um, on films, um, insurers will usually restrict it to about 30 or 35 people. Um, but on, you know, everyday TV, if you're doing production for RTE, you can put as many persons as you want under the cast section. So it's whoever, you, you know, it, insurers leave it down to you um, as the producer. Um, it, you nominate the persons that um, you think if they were to, you know, delay the production of, um, by way of illness or accident, that you want to name those individuals. Okay. Right. And then um, media. So does this, what does media insurance cover? It's basically covering your rushes. Again, it's up to the budget. Um, so it's physical loss or damage to your to your rushes um, during the filming period and during post-production. So again, yeah, you're covered um, to the full budget. Um, yeah, it covers your rushes, whether it's digital um, or whether uh, you're shooting on film. It's a, a bit of a different process if you're shooting on film. You've got to do a camera stop test. Um, yeah, and it covers, covers you during... Um, photography and your post-production um, and it, it covers you while your rushes are with the post house so if the post house del uh, destroys your rushes it's the production policy that would still respond okay and is there an excess on any of these policies yeah here? yeah yeah again depending i mean the excess is the deductible kind of like your car insurance which you would be responsible for so say you know, the excess or deductible on cast was a thousand euro. That means the production is responsible for the first thousand euro of, of any claim. Um, again, the same on the media section. Yeah, but, um, each section would have have its own deductible or excess. The only one that doesn't have an excess is employer's liability, but we, we'll get down to that. Okay. Um, then the next line here is um, extra expense. Yeah, extra expenses. Um, actually what it says any extra expense caused by physical loss or damage to a production so if say um, you were shooting at a location um, the location had damage to it caused say by weather or by fire or there was some sort of damage and you couldn't shoot there it's the extra expense uh, incurred by the production say you had to find another another location um, uh, you know to replace the one that had been damaged again it's physical loss of damage to equipment if you had lenses say you brought them in from another country um, and the lenses were damaged and the production is delayed again it's the extra expense to the production say you know trying to get the other lenses so that you can get back up and going again it's the extra expense um, to the production um, there are different subsections as well under um, extra expense um, there's civil authority um, where uh, the government or any government agency would stop the production from filming. Um, that's civil authority. It could be the guards. It could be state Dublin city council would stop you shooting for some reason. That's civil authority. Um, there's ingress, egress. If you couldn't get in or out to a location due to physical damage, that's also covered. Um, strike. If there was strike or protest and you couldn't get in or out of a location and was to delay your filming, the extra expense will, um, will be covered as well. But yeah, it's usually about two-thirds to three-quarters of your budget, the extra expense section. Okay. So that's probably something that you should take out. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, not, it's normally included um, within, you know, if you've got the full production package. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite an important section um, 
uh, on a production policy. Okay. Um, then technical equipment. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so the limit required. You were asking on. I mean, you should always kind of err, err on the side of caution on on equipment. You should put a, a level of cover in there that you feel comfortable with um, uh, on equipment. Whether that, you know that's a hundred grand or two hundred fifty grand. Um, the last thing you want to do is kind of underinsure yourself. So just put a you know um, a, a level of cover that you know that at any one time it's going to cover, you know, the camera, the, the camera sound lighting kit, you're going to have at any one time on, on a production. Um, it's not, I mean, you know, whether you put 100 grand or 250 grand, it's not going to affect um, the rate for your, for your production insurance, unless you put in something, you know, really, really high, if you put in millions upon millions. Mm -hmm. um, so always, always err on the side of caution uh, on the equipment section. And in terms of housekeeping for that, should you keep a record of uh, from of the amount of equipment you're getting in and the value of that? So I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Again, hopefully, you know, the equipment house or whomever is providing, you know, um, whether it's lighting or sound or the camera person, if they're um, if they're providing kit to you, that they provide a list of kit so that you know in the event of a claim that you had it. Insurers don't, insurers or, or ourselves do not need to see lists of equipment. So long as you've got it in the event of a claim is absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, it's just ensuring that, um, you, you know, you've got enough cover in there. I mean, we get productions coming back to us all the time. You know, they might put in 100,000, 250,000, but then when they t add it up and it comes to 400 grand, you know, like, all you got to do is just tell your insurer that you need to increase the equipment section. Okay, and I guess I noticed like it's on the equipment houses will have the value of the equipment that they're renting to you next to the list. It's on, it's on the invoices. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. You, well, you don't want the value of how much they're going to charge you. You want the value of the kit itself. Well, you know, yeah. for insurance, they don't want the value of the kit. Yeah, because sometimes someone will send it through and it's kind of the invoice from the kit company saying, but we need the value, not what it's going to um, charge you. And the equipment houses in their terms and conditions will also have how they want you to insure the equipment. They will also, they will normally say, we want you to cover the kit, say new for old, so that if you damage their lens or their camera, if it's new for old, the insurance has got to follow the contract. So if the lens is damaged, they get a brand new lens. And again, that's probably more pertinent when you've got an individual that's providing equipment. You should have an agreement between you and that person that, you will cover the equipment new for old because if you don't, it will be on a replacement value. So that just means, you know, if it's five years old, insurers will depreciate, you know, the, the value of the kit by five years. So it's always good to have an agreement between you and the provider that you're going to cover the equipment new for old as well. Yeah, that makes sense because they're not going to be able to replace it at whatever it's valued at now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I guess uh, uh, prop sets and wardrobe, that's yeah. yeah exactly the same again i mean it's your physical value the props at wardrobe again it's best to err on the side of caution you know so that you know you know um especially if, if it's a drama you know where you might have or if you're building a set or you've got a lot of wardrobe that you've got a level of covering that you're comfortable with but again you know if it's not sufficient you can always just tell your broker you know, you know we need to increase it by 10 or 20 or 50 percent or, or whatever you need and if you're figuring out the value of sets, obviously you include labor costs in that as well. Because it's yeah, the... yeah, I mean, yeah, on the film application forms, 
it normally does ask, you know, are you building a set? If so, how many weeks does it take? Um, because that's factored into the extra expense because the physical loss of damage of the set will be covered in under this section. But like we are saying, under extra expense, if there's damage to a set and that delays the production, um, the extra expense would kick in on the extra expense to the production. But you're covering the physical, you know, if the set is worth 10 grand and it goes up in flames, then you're covering, that's covered in the, the set section here. But, you know, if you lose two days of filming because it went up in flames, that's under the extra expense section. Brilliant. Um then office contents on location. I, yeah, I that's it. Yeah, that's just laptops, mobiles, um, if you production office, PCs, um, you know, um, any office contents that are being used um, for for production. Okay. And then uh, money, is that cash money? Yeah, petty cash. Yeah, yeah. cash. I mean, that's not really, yeah, it's not as relevant as it used to be, you know, because bank transfers and everything else these days. Um, yeah. But insurers um, still do include it, yeah. Okay. And then I guess we should probably do a public liability and employers liability. There, um, do, do you want to talk about both of them at the same time yeah. or should we separate yeah. them out? Um, we'll probably, probably do them separate because they're, they're slightly different. Yeah. I mean, your public liability is third-party property damage. You know, if you're shooting at a house or a location, if you were to damage um, that house or location, it's third-party property damage or third-party bodily injury. You know, it's someone who's not an employee. Um, you know, if you're filming on the street and you trip somebody up or drop a camera on top of their head, it's public liability. Um, it's normally at least seven and a half million. Um, some of the locate or some of the councils will ask for at least six and a half million. Um, yeah, that's what it's public liability. Any um, third-party person who's not an employee of the production. Um, employer's liability uh, is, uh, yeah, it's between, it's covered for the employer um, for all their employees. No money has to exchange hands under employer's liability. It's on an old master and servant basis. Um, you know, it can be, you don't have to pay anyone. It can be anyone that's under your direction, anyone that's contracted to you. It can be work experience persons. Um, and the normal limit for employer's liability is 13 million euro. Okay. Um, and it says here details of any foreign hires. So would they, why would yeah. they? Yeah, um, because, uh, right, um, employer's liability here will normally cover um, anyone that's contracted to your production company or if you're setting up a DAC um, for the production, it'll cover any hires subject to EU law. But if you've got foreign hires, there might be specific requests for employer's liability. Um, you know, if you had American hires, they would normally look for workers' compensation cover um but if you want to cover them on the employer's liability uh, we, if they're if if they're contracted to the production company here in ireland um they can be covered under the employer's liability but it's they've got to be aware that it's subject to irish or eu law okay. you know if they're american they can't go back to new york or los angeles and bring a claim there they would have to do it here um under the employer's liability so it's just making sure that yeah if you've got people coming in from abroad that we've got them covered in under the employer's liability section perfect and then travel covered. That is that normally a separate policy, or yeah, it's it's normally a, a, a separate cover. Um, yeah, it, it's like travel policy. You, you would go on holiday, but it's for work or for, or for business. You know, um, the main things it covers it covers medical expenses, normally up to at least ten million euro. You know, as soon as someone steps outside um, country of domicile, you know, you can have um, 
people going from here abroad or you can have people coming in. So if you've got, you know, UK or US people coming here, um, that as soon as they step outside the country domicile, they're covered for travel, medical expenses, which is, include COVID cover, um, flight cancellation by the airline. Um, there's personal accident, baggage. Um, yeah, cancellation, curtailment of flights. Um, yeah, so it's travel cover for, you know, people who are working. Um, and then one thing that isn't on here is vehicle insurance. Is that, it used to be a separate policy. Is that still the case or? Motor liability, yeah. Um, yeah, Motor liability is separate because um, that's a motor policy. Um, under most production policies, um, nearly all production policies, will have a section that would cover physical damage to um, action vehicles. So that if you've got an action vehicle that's in front of camera or it's set dressing, um, the production policy will cover it for physical damage. Um, but motor liability, if, if it's to be driven on the open road, we need to put motor liability cover in place with um, a motor insurer. Um, the only insurer that, um, that's doing motor insurance at the moment is Allianz uh, here in Ireland. But they will only write motor insurance for vehicles on, on an open road if they're doing the production insurance. Um, if a production can close the roads or block off the roads for a motor scene, um, all the insurers will provide liability because you're basically making the road private land or private property, you know, whether or not you're stopping it um, by means of the, it's of the production or whether you've got the guards doing it, you know, to stop the public accessing the road if you're shooting a scene. Um, but if you need cover for the public road, Allianz is the only insurer that will cover um, an open vehicle on an, on an open road. Sorry, a vehicle on an open road. Okay, so otherwise you don't need it, but if you're driving it outside. You don't need it, no. Um, but like I say, physical value of vehicles can be covered, whether set dressing or whether if they are being driven, um, they can be covered under um, production policy, for, you know, if you damage them. Okay. That's great. Thanks, John. <laughs> that was, yeah. a, a, is that everything that we've covered there? Or are there other types of insurance that? Yeah, I mean, errors and emissions um, is another one. Um, which is a separate policy, and again, it depends on the financier, or the broadcaster, if they if they require, you know, I mean, forty um, do kind of require errors and emissions on most of their productions now, um, but you know, is um, it's a rights policy, you know, it covers defamation. Um, uh, if a third party were to bring a claim against you, you know, for breach of copyright. Um, a standard E&O policy, you know, that Screen Ireland or RT will ask for is normally three years. Uh, One million euros or dollars, any one claim, three million euros or dollars in the aggregate, which means you can't um, you can't go above three million on your claims. Um, a three-year um, policy is common, or it could be four or five years, depending if... Um, uh, financiers or someone else or a sales agent is looking for more than three years. Um, it's subject to an application form. Um, it's uh, an application form which is basically asking about your clearances, you know, about your writers, the people involved, um, whether all the music has been signed off, uh, whether you've got clearance. Um, yeah, um, that's an, uh, another common ins insurance, but it's totally separate to your production insurance. And how much should you allow for an um, 
anywhere from anywhere from about two two thousand euros, say for a, th a three year policy for an E and O policy. Okay, and that's um, just for one production. That's for, yeah, for one production. I mean, some companies um, do buy an annual an, an annual policy if they know they're going to have a, a lot of content or output. Um, you know, but, um, you, you know, you could buy an annual, say, for three and a half grand. And if you've got four or five productions, then it makes a lot more economical sense to, um, to take out um, an annual E&O policy. Um, the standard excess sort of deductible on an E&O policy as well is 10,000, you know, if it's dollars or, or euros. Because, again, you know, as soon as you get lawyers involved, um, the costs are, are long going through the roof. Yeah. Apologies to any lawyers out there. Um, and then just um, in terms, of, I've had this before with you guys just on, on the excess. And I think it was Lorcan I was dealing with before and that. So the excess is, so it, it, if you're claiming for something, say uh, um, it's just for, if it was damaged, third party damage or something, it's mm -hmm. one instance of the damage isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's it's each and every claim. So say you have a lens which has got a scratch, it's scratched, and say the camera got I don't know hit by a tri you know, tri falling tripod or something falling. I mean, and there are two separate incidents. Yeah, you've got two excesses. Um, but if you know the weather was bad and it knocked over cameras, lights, and everything, that's one event. You know, that's one claim. Um, it, it depends on what, yeah, on what the cause is. Um, if it's two separate events, then yeah, you may have two excesses or deductibles. Um, if it's one event, you know, and you've got multiple damages, it can be one excess. But yeah, it depends on uh, it's um, if it's to one event or, or not. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I I can't even remember what it was, but I remember that I it was like it, it was. It couldn't be classed as one event. It was just <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, actually, a common one we get is you know if um, we've got a drama production and someone's shooting in the house, you know, and they come back and say, oh, you know, um, the owner of the house come back and says, oh, there's a scratch on the kitchen floor and one of the walls in the hallway has got a hole in it, um, and the floors upstairs um, are all scratched as well. So if they are separate events, yeah, you're going to have three excess deductibles because insurers will count it as one an hour, sorry, as three different claims. If it was all in the one claim, you know, um, again, then it's one deductible. But if it's three separate incidents, then you're going to have three three excesses on the three claims because insurers will, will, will um, treat each one separately. Okay. Um, and then, like, the excess is normally about a thousand euro. Is it possible to reduce that? Is or... Yeah, it can be. Yeah, it, it can be. I mean, it, yeah, it depends on the insurer. I mean, on, say, public liability, it can be anywhere from 250 euro up to 750 euro. Um, equipment, normally, it's either 500 or, or 750. But again, you can always, yeah, it, it, again, you can always go back to your broker and say, look, um, can we look at the deductibles? Um, insurers will either say, no, we want to keep it as it is because of the value of the equipment. I mean, it can also depend on the value of the equipment. You know, if it's a hundred grand, yeah. Um, if it's a low figure, but if your equipment is, you know, 
three million or five million or something, they might say, yeah, we want, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred deductible. But insurers, yeah, will either say, no, we won't do it or yes, we will do it. Or I say, yes, we will do it, but we want to charge a hundred or 150 euro, you know, to bring the deductible down or excess down. On cast cover, there is an age limit of 74. What should the production do if you're working with someone over that age? And do you just pay a premium? Uh, no, that, I mean, it, it depends. It just means that if the person is over the age, um, you know, whether it's six to 75, if you've got anyone that's under six or 75 or over, um, that we've just got to refer it to insurers. Um, it, it just means you're not within the automatic confines of the production policy. We can just refer it to insurers. I mean, we, we, you know, we get it all the time at the moment. We've had on a couple of films, we've had people that are in their 80s. Um, insurers might come back with some additional questions, you know, if they're um, quite a bit older, they want to know, you know, what are the day out of days, how many days are they in for, um, and what the daily shoe costs are. But it just means we have to refer said person to insurers because they're outside the, you know, the age confine. That's it. Okay. And how soon should statement of health forms to be sent in? I mean, as soon as possible, really, for, for the production, because you want to cover, you know, the budget if he or she's... Um, if he if he, he or she's on board um, and they're, they're, you know they're going to de um, delay production, so as soon as you've got somebody um, that's contracted uh, or said yes, uh, you know you want to get it done as soon as possible because if anything happens to them, the budget's covered. Okay, and then the next question is um, on limits. If it's not stated, how much should we be insuring for PL and EL, and is it based on the budget if we need to up the limit? Uh, no, not well, not on the, not really on the public liability. The employer's liability is always going to be thirteen million. That's um, that's normally set in stone on the employer's liability. Uh, on public liability, it will at least be seven and a half million. Um, but if it's a big budget drama or feature film, um, we'll normally go in at ten or, or thirteen million. You might still get the odd again. It, it, it's your, on the public liability. It's your locations um, that are going to drive that because the location. You know, if you go in with seven and a half. Some locations might say, well, we want 10 million. Um, or sometimes, you know, if, if it's a big budget feature film and they're shooting at, a, you know, a big country house, if they go in with 13 million, the owner might turn around and say, we want 20 million. So we've got to go and buy the additional cover. But it's, it's the, the employer's liability, you don't need to worry about that. It'll always be 13 million. Uh, public liability, like I say, would be at least seven and a half million across, you know, RT and TG car wordings. Um, but the locations, uh, will drive the limit of public liability. Okay. And then for production companies where travel is common, but not for one specific production or an overlap of productions, can a travel policy be taken out or should we buy flight by flight insurance directly? Um, again, if you know that you've got a lot of productions, again, it's kind of like the, you know, thing, you know, if you know you've got five or six jobs during the year where you're going to be traveling around Europe or the world, it's better. We, we can take out an annual policy um, and, it's, and you just kind of give an estimated amount of trips that you're going to do in Europe um, and then uh, an estimate, an estimated amount of trips for the rest of the world and insurers will quote an, an annual policy fee. So then, you, you know, you don't have to contact your um, broker every time and say, oh, we've got five people going to Italy this weekend. You know, you know that cover sitting there so you don't have to go um, to a broker every time you've got someone going abroad. So, yeah, it would make more sense to have an annual policy in place. Okay. And I guess the same can be said about, um, say, if you know that you've got a lot of productions in one year, would 
an annual production policy might take make more sense then it's particularly yeah. With yeah 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 um i mean the, the, yeah the, the, you can i mean people do tend to get up annuals more if they're not for broadcasters you know if they're doing their their own work because normally under the broadcaster schemes or you could take out an annual and not include your spend say for rt because you can go in under the scheme um yeah you can take out um uh, an annual cover again it's on your estimated spend what you think it's going to be, what what it's going to be for the next twelve months, um, and it's on a declaration basis. So you can say whether you you think your spend is going to be a hundred thousand or whether it's going to be a million. Insurers will set a rate against it, and then you can declare your actual actual spend at the end of, at the end of the year. You know, if you get a big job in during the year and it's over and above what, um, you know, if say it's a half a million, you can just go back to your broker and say, look, we've got a big job in, it's five hundred grand. Can we add it to the annual cover? Yeah, um, an annual cover can make sense, but kind of for you know stuff that doesn't come in, uh, you know, under a scheme, an RT scheme for stuff outside, um, scheme scheme commissions. Okay, and just for the purposes of that, sometimes you might not include your production fee in that insurance unless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, if if you're not including it, then yeah, you're you're putting your budgets in excluding your production fee, Fiona. If, if um, okay. Um, and then, okay, another question for underwater filming where DOP and camera crew are diving while filming, what kind of things will insurers look for on the risk assessment? Um, they will, they will want to know where you're doing it, uh, the depths that the, um, the team are going to dive to. Um, if it's below, I can't remember what, what the limit is, is it 30 foot or 30 meters, whether or not they've got paddy certificates, you know, if it's um, deep sea diving. Um, and the experience, you know, whether or not you've got, you know, how experienced the divers are, um, and what the, again, you know, um, safety precautions are if, if anyone get, um, gets in trouble. But yeah, depths, where you're doing it, safety precautions in place, um, paddy certificates, if they're, if they're relevant, if it's below a certain depth. Um, yeah, and then we can, we, we can run it by insurers. Um, you know, for the delay to production, if anything was to happen to anyone. Um, and if you're doing it abroad, you know, travel cover with personal accident for the team as well. You know, if it's a dive school or a dive team, they will normally have their own covers. So you're just worried about your production team members, really. Okay. And then Ashley Carton has another question here. Um, is there a limit on the amount of indemnities that can be added to a policy and will this affect the premium? No, no. Um, the funny thing about indemnities is it's automatic on a production policy. Um, it's just like here in Ireland and the US, you know, people like to see their indemnity in writing. Um, the indemnity to Dublin City Council, um, Cork County Council, um, they're all actually automatic. Um, the indemnity is automatic on the production policy, but they just want to see their indemnities. Um yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, depending on the production, you might see, you know, you might see one indemnity, you might see no indemnities, you might see 30 indemnities. But, yeah, you can have as many as you want. There was a German insurer that came in a few years ago, and I think they they said to the production, you can have the first six free, and then they were going to charge €25 Euro for every indemnity. But, yeah, here they're free. There's, you can have as many as you want. Uh, it doesn't cost you a red cent. That's why Lorcan can turn them around so quickly. <laughs> he, 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 is super, he is super slick on it. Yeah, that's true. No, it's great because I remember for a while there, there was some sort of, it was years ago, it wasn't taken, it was taken a bit longer, but it's great to have that. Yeah. Um, 
I think is it okay right one more question um when you set up a DAC for the purpose of a production should you take that insurance under the DAC or under the main producer company I mean, normally under the, under the DAC, um, because the DAC, I guess, will be, is, is going to be, is going to be a contracting entity. So on the name of the DAC, um, again, you know, if you're, if you wanted to comply with 481 and you want to get 481 on your insurance, um, it should be in the name of the DAC and in Euro. Um, you can name then, you know, all the parent production companies, um, producers as additional insureds. Um, on the policy anyway, but yeah, take it out in the name of the DAC, and you can add the parent companies as insurers on the policies. I think they need that anyway, don't they? As well, the yeah, fund, yeah, 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 yeah. That's another one as well. The additional insurers list is just getting longer and longer and longer on, especially you know on feature films and um, yeah, on feature films. The list of additional insurers. You get individuals now asking to be noted on the policy, even though they're covered automatically. But again, like the indemnities, you can have as many as you want. Can I ask what's the difference between indemnity and additional insured? If that's not a stupid question. No, no, it's really yeah, not a good question. I mean, additional insured is, you know, you're adding um, another entity uh, on the policy to be treated um, similar uh, or if not um, the same as the insured company that if a claim is brought against you, um, you know, the additional insured is named on a claim that the policy will respond for them as well. Um, and indemnity, especially, you know, the indemnity is under public liability. Um, you're indemnifying the third party if a claim is brought against um, you, the production company, you know, for your negligence. But you're not covering, you know, the negligence of, Dublin, say, Dublin City Council want to be indemnified. So um, if the production company is being negligent, they do something that's wrong, then... Um, and the claim is brought against the production company, their cover will respond, um, you know, even if Dublin City Council were named in the action. Um, but they're indemnified because it wasn't their fault. But it does not indemnify Dublin City Council for their negligence if they were the cause or did something wrong. Okay. I think I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's great. Um, is there any kind of tips or general advice that you would give to somebody when they're taking out an insurance policy, any do's or don'ts? I mean, just like we were saying earlier, you know, speak or, you know, email or communicate with your broker um, for, for anything, you know, there's nothing worse than being worried about something, you know, and all you got to do is pick up the phone and speak to somebody. Um, if you have, um, if you have um, an accident or someone has an accident on the production, do an accident report and get it straight over to your broker as, uh, as soon as you can. Um, you know, even if nothing comes to it, um, because you don't know, you know, the, um, with the types of employers' liability claims, you might get a letter in from some lawyer a year down the line, but at least you've got an accident report. The insurer knows about it and it's it's on file. So, you know, if somebody falls, you know, falls down, cuts their knee, falls off steps or trips over something, you don't know if a claim's going to come in or not, make sure that you have an accident report. And all that has to be is this is what, what happened. Um, these were the actions that were taken. These are the witnesses. And, and give it, just email it over to your broker so that they've got it on file so that if you get a letter in three or six months down the line, you know, the insurers can deal with it, whether it's an employer's liability or a public liability claim. Um, but yeah, just speak to your broker, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you're worried about having got any concerns um, because they can always, you know, um, address something. And like we were saying, you know, typically with um, 
theft from, from vehicles. You know, if you don't speak to them or whatever, then, you know, you could be left and I'm high and dry. But, it, you know, at least you've got sometimes if you've, if you've spoken to your broker, you know, we tend to get it, you know, it might be five o'clock on a Friday um, where you've got to leave equipment out in, uh, um, in a vehicle over a weekend. You know, just email them or pick up the phone because there's nothing worse. Okay. Larkin, do you have any advice? Yeah, look, don't, don't, people are quite often afraid to ask questions. They might kind of think like, oh, this might sound a stupid question. There are no stupid questions because where there's so many different variants, no one production is the same and no one claims the same. So you're always going to have different kind of scenarios that will arise up and there can be a lot of gray areas that need to be navigated. So always ask the question, you know, there's no stupid questions. It's up to us not to give a stupid answer. So, you know, do do give us a call. And Madison, do you have anything, any advice for... Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, it's a rule of thumb for things like risk assessments. You said, what's a hazardous activity? If you have to ask, then then do ask us. Like, if you think, hmm, is this hazardous? It's probably best just to send it in um, because, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where it was and you didn't say anything and uh, and then it's not covered. And then I guess with insurance policies in general, um, always read the exclusions first is my favorite way to approach an insurance policy because if you know what's not covered, then you're in a much better position. <laughs> and then you can ask us if anything is is relevant that you think, oh, pregnancy is not covered, but my DOP is pregnant, what do I do? I ask my broker, um, that, that kind of thing. Go to the exclusions first. <laughs> Great piece of advice, actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll bear that in mind going forward um so i just wanted to say thank you to all to you all for joining us today and uh thanks to mib insurance there i would highly recommend them as brokers <laughs> uh, and they're really easy to talk to as you can see from this so thanks very much um also another thank you again to screen ireland and um, if you haven't already, uh, you can join uh, Women in Film and Television Ireland if you go to the website and uh, you can like and subscribe to all of our podcasts as well at the same time. Thanks a million and um, have a great day. All right. Thanks, Thanks so much. Good Thank to you. see you.